Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you've always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Buenos noches. I thought for a second there you forgot how to talk. <laughs> That's racist. No, I meant like just how long it took you to oh. get to the... <laughs> that was a mad delay. <laughs> yeah. It's like he pressed okay. like five buttons to be able to I take speak it into his microphone. Yeah. Also joined by Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yo. We got a packed episode for you this evening, afternoon, whenever it is you listen to this show. This show being episode 39 of 43.6 it is brought to you by now your treasures which we will talk a bit more about later but on this episode we are going to talk about nfl wild card weekend Bo bichette nick robertson and the toronto raptors all of that and a whole lot more coming up on this episode of 43.6 thank you for subscribing thank you for sharing with your friends we greatly appreciate it but before we get to all the sports topics we do like to recap what's been going on in our week and what has happened since the last time we discussed things on this podcast. So James, we're going to start with you. What have you been up to? I know um, we've been talking about some DH gate, um, which DH gate really should be the sponsor <laughs> sponsor of this program. The amount of free publicity we give to DH gate, even though I make fun of them for the most part, but yeah, well, I've thought about, uh, if I get my work bonus, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to get the entire jets team. <laughs> from D, let's get everybody. No, I probably it's gonna have, be like two hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm probably gonna get like Brees Hall, and then maybe Quinnen Williams if he resigns, um, and then Garrett Wilson, and I'll be good. That that'll that'll take care of it for now. But uh, my week uh, wasn't as eventful as previous weeks. But what I did do, because I was thinking of like what I was gonna say here is uh, it was the first week back from my daughter's soccer class. So that's always fun. Um, I like, I like really enjoy it. You know how, you know how, uh, are you the there's dad always running that, like up and down the field? No, I mean like back in the day, it's like, or I don't even know what back in the day, but there was always those commercials or it was always presented in, in like TV shows or whatever that when a dad or a parent has to take their kid to a sport or whatever, it was this big laborious thing and maybe it's different for hockey because you have your bag and equipment. It's at four fucking a.m. But my kid's soccer is at eleven o'clock on a Saturday. It's great. Stop at Tim Hortons before I get a coffee or French vanilla cappuccino. Go over to the the gym because it's indoors during the winter, and watch watch her learn some footy. Uh, but but I texted my brother this week because uh, they so they do their like skills training and then they have a scrimmage after where they play basically a game and they're just learning and they have multiple balls. So a kid can pick up a ball and go kick it in the net and there's other ones going around. So like it's, it's cause it's hard when they're like four years old trying to chase one ball around. But, um, so my kid's doing pretty good. Like she's learning how to like dribble and I was working with her on, on when the ball gets away from you, run ahead of it a little bit and put your foot on it to stop it. So she can, you know, keep control. And she was doing really good. So the ball kind of got away from her a little bit. And these two fucking kids, man, they, they run up to, to try and take the ball from her and they, they get down on their knees and they grab the ball. And she started getting frustrated because she keeps losing the ball to these two fucking kids. And 
they're 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 using their hands and she's she, she's listening to the coaches saying like no hands allowed so after about the second or third time these kids do it <laughs> i just leaned in and i was like you're a fucking cheater to these two kids <laughs> I, I just said to these what? two four five-year-olds you're a fucking cheater because you know here's my daughter trying Good. to play the right way and practice but you know what you know that's what this world's missing these ki- kids these days the tiktok culture all that shit you know what they're missing? Someone tell them they're fucking cheaters. They're little fucking cheaters. Or and back in back in my day, I sound like my dad. Back in my day, I would have beat the shit out of those kids. <laughs> like if it was me, so another parent would have beat the shit out of me. For sure. I like mean, parents, a guy tried to beat the shit out of you at one of my hockey games. That's what I'm saying, right? Back in the day, well, I, was, I wasn't I was four, but I was, well, how old was I then? 14? I think you were like, no, you were like 18. No. Yeah, because I was like 15. No, you would have been playing in Woodville. No, it was Willowdale. Right. So you wouldn't have been 15. Yeah, so it would have been my last year at Willowdale. But, uh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I call... Basically, I call these little (laughs) shits fucking cheaters. And I don't regret it. At all. If anything, I wish I did... awesome. If anything, I wish I did more. If anything, I wish I kicked the ball out of their hands and I went, no hands, motherfucker. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't. You know what? You got to teach her to play the body. Like when that happens, just throw a hip into them or something. Dude, and you know, you really see how shitty parents are in these environments, man. Like this one kid is wild and he's just running around. He has no concept of time or existence or anybody else around him or anything. And the parents just sitting there like clapping for him. Like he's doing a great job. And it's like, I don't know if you noticed, but your kid fucking sucks at this and potentially sucks at life because he has no idea what's going on. So you know why though? It's because they don't want them there to be like, I kids involved in a sport get better. You know, be involved in the team environment. They look at it as babysitting. It's a couple hours or an hour and a half out of the week. They don't have to worry about it. They can just sit and drink their coffee and not do anything. And that's the thing. Like I'm not on my phone at all. I'm I'm like I'm right in on what she's doing. I'm enjoying it. I'm I love watching her play and get better. But you see some of these parents, they're, you're right, they're just on their phone the entire time. Or they're, or they're participation trophy parents, and they're just clapping for the fact that their kid's running. And it's like, okay, great, your kid's got two working legs. You know, I feel, like you're, I feel like you're describing exactly a scene from the league where <laughs> Ruxin has Rafi take baby Jeffrey to his swim class. And then Rafi's like in the pool with Jeffrey, and the teacher's like, you know what, I appreciate the fact that you're in the pool and you're taking some interest in what's going on here all these other dads just sitting here on their phones looking at their football scores <laughs> and that's why Roxanne put rafi in the pool <laughs> so exactly. focus on yeah. it's exactly why rafi was there instead of Ruxin. yes well the good thing is though it's saturday mornings right so you don't have to worry about checking football scores yeah or checking hockey scores because most games don't start i think the earliest saturday hockey game is one o'clock in the afternoon when they do it yeah so just these parents are Parents are shitty, man. Like, I don't know. It, and I'm, somewhere along the line, parents just got lazy. And I don't know if it's cell phones or the peaceful parenting shit where it's like, instead of telling your kid you're, you're, you're being a little shit, you go, what's wrong? What would you like? What, what would make it better for you? Like, fuck what would make it better for you? Fucking oh, do the drill. <laughs> I've already started a fund for therapy for my daughter because I know the emotional turmoil I'm going to put her through when it comes to sports. (laughs) 
like I'm already mentally prepping for it and like telling her she sucks at, <laughs> you know, whatever sport she does, because that's how you get better is thinking that you're the worst. So you got to train like you're the worst to become the best. But like, I always try to wrap my head around this is like, do you imagine what it's like being someone like Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, LeBron James? Because us as plebs, Tiger Woods, you know, we're all right. The we're Williams all sisters. Good. What? The Williams, the Williams sisters. sisters. Perfect. Can you imagine what it's like for them? Because us growing up, like there's probably things we all did. Obviously, Jimmy played a lot of hockey, played a lot of sports. And Dustin, I know you did some sports. I'm not sure exactly what baseball, like you mentioned before, that you were better than some kids. Obviously, not we weren't the best out of every kid there, but we were better than most. And so we're always told there's always someone better than you. But these guys were like, that doesn't exist. You know, there's no one better than them. And mm-hmm. like, could you imagine trying to wrap your head around that concept? Well, not just that, but like, also, how do you stay motivated? Like, right. How do you it. like you because you have to keep playing and you have to keep practicing. And like, we hear all those stories of Michael Jordan, like just coming home from school and just shooting free throws until the sun went down. Right. Or like, Kobe four in the morning practices, like waking up four in the morning, practice two hours, go home, eat, sleep for two hours, yep. get up, practice again for two hours. Like the, and that's why I always say athletes at the top they're not wired correctly. There's no way in hell they are. You know, there's something wrong in their brain to be that obsessive. So that's that's also the parent thing, right? Like when it comes to the kids, I think it is the parent that keeps them motivated. And there is a right way and a wrong way, but there's the parents that teeter close to the line of the wrong way, I think are the ones that end up having their kids succeeding. Like when it's almost questionable about the methodology and you, you can't tell me that any one of these kids are like, I don't believe any of them are fuck my father for making me a star. I love this. I love this money. You know what I mean? Do you, th- do you think tiger's like my dad's a piece of shit? No, thank you for these the millions most important of, person of his life. Right? Like, thank you for these millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, and, like, you know, in the moments growing up, they probably hated it, but then when they achieve being the best in the world, you know, they look back and they're just like, they see in hindsight, it was all worth it, right? In the moment, you don't. I say this all the time to people. If I had the mindset that I do now, when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever, I probably would have been a much better hockey player for sure. Because like you look back and say, you know what, I wish I did a little bit more or I wish I worked harder. Or Your kind of mindset changes and you value the work and the process more than just when you're younger, like, oh, I just want to play and I want to touch the puck and I want to do this. I want to do that. Right. So I just wish I had that mindset. And it's, you know, the funny thing is, is I hate going back to this, but it's, you know, growing up, your parents always, you know, like, oh, I've been there. I've done that. I've seen it. You know, I'm right. And you're just like, shut up. No, you're not. And then you realize as you get older, like, fuck, they were. But that's, that <laughs> you know extends I mean? to anything. Like, even when I was a manager for EB Games, if I was the person I was today, I fucking killed that job. And, it's, and, and then I look and I go, but they'd probably have to pay me more. So now I get it. <laughs> they're they, not going to pay you more. They hire a bunch of jabronis like, to, just, to, just to do the job, and they, they oh, don't care. They, they just, know, need, they just they need things not to burn. Nerds. They prey on nerds who want to do the bare minimum that because they know they'll never be successful enough to have to. I was, dude, I was literally the definition of happy to be there. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is so cool. I know because you know? when you're like 20 and you're managing an EB, you're like, this is the greatest dude, I get, job ever. I get an Xbox for free? 
best job of my life. <laughs> so as we digress though, yeah, I hear you about like the parenting thing. I'm I'm definitely afraid of what I'm gonna be like as like a parent in any kind of like athletic or competitive sphere for my kid. Can I also make a comment of your no mercy running in the background? <laughs> okay, so for since this show is not currently on YouTube and it's just an audio version, James is talking about behind me there is a CRT television that is just just running a loop of uh, WWF No Mercy from the N64. Yes. Yes, James. Back in the day, I had this buddy Patrick, and he <laughs> used to live. He used to live up north. Uh, with, like you can only have so many people around there. I mean, our uh, our graduating grade eight class had seven people, so yeah, it wasn't a lot. Um, and Patrick moved there. He was a new kid, and we <laughs> we hit it off immediately because we both loved wrestling. And I would go to his house for every pay-per-view. We would hang out, have like sleepovers and just play No Mercy and, and WrestleMania 2000 till, like, till God knows when. Um, but what we used to do is we used to create a bunch of dudes and literally just put them in CPU versus CPU matches and track and create storylines and champions and stuff and, and just would be amazed at the crazy shit that would happen in these matches. And we would just be dying laughing at the computer versus the computer in some of the shit it was hilarious. It just reminded me. To this that. day, No Mercy is the best wrestling video game ever. Oh, by far. It's not, it's not even close. Either that or WrestleMania 2000, which was the one. Well, yeah, it would be one of the two, but No Mercy is just the same thing. Did WrestleMania 2000 have a ladder match? I don't know if it did. No. Yeah. No, no. it did. I don't, I don't remember. No, 2000. Either way, didn't. those games, like the, the best part was doing either the Royal Rumble or whatever the WCW version was and just picking like Edge or Goldberg and just spearing people out of the ring. Dude, yeah, the, Royal, the CPU controlled Royal Rumbles for our storylines were unreal because it was 100% unpredictable. So you could have a jobber end up winning the Rumble and then we had to book our own storylines with this jobber and, and then he wins the title. Or Man, it was those were the good times, man. It just made me remember that. Like how many guys we created. We, we <laughs> created a roster of like 25 guys. Easy. And run. Maddie, what about you? I was going to say, this went off the rails real quick. Uh, <laughs> me, like, just figuring out how to keep a human alive that can't think or do anything for themselves. You know, I kind of started picking her up by just the scruff of her shirt. Because <laughs> it's just quicker. <laughs> so, like, because she likes to lay on her stomach, um, which apparently is not good, but they, you know, sometimes it's okay. Because when we do tummy time, tummy time's a fun time. So I don't know, Dustin, if you're aware of what I'm, tummy Oh, time. I'm aware. My sister has a six-week-old child. So. Oh, I was like, oh, my sister does tummy time right now. <laughs> oh, so you're a new but uncle? No, uh, congrats. Yeah, congrats. Oh, thank you. What is this, number three uncle for you? Four. Four, okay. Yeah, so tummy time. So when we're done tummy time, I just pick her up from the back of the shirt. And then I just, you know, carry her around and up on to like my, my shoulder and shit. But no um yeah just doing that and just kind of getting her life set up i guess doing all the you know parental things you have to do ordering all their identification yo birth certificates now are so much cooler than they were when i was a kid like they're on like the same kind of paper that the uh bills are printed on for money oh cool and they're like sheets like this now and you can like fold them up and they're you know 
you can't copyright these things. And then mine's that old paper one that's falling apart. So I was just like, I'm wondering if I can like reorder a birth certificate of mine to get it on this piece of paper, kind of like this new one, because it's so much cooler and you know, it's not going to deteriorate like mine is. But yeah, so just doing that shit. Um, yeah, just trying to mentally prep for having to actually go back to work on Wednesday. I'm so not looking forward to it. Then like th- four weeks off, I've been off because I was on vacation just before the holiday. And then my kid came January 1st. So that was like another week and a half off. So yeah, I'm screwed. This is going to be the worst week ever. But no, nah, we survive. Courage. So I was at the Raptors game this past week. It was the Charlotte Hornets were in town. Twice, actually. The Charlotte Hornets were there Tuesday and Thursday night. And I don't remember if this was Tuesday or Thursday, but I was there for both of them. And there was this guy. Okay. Walking around the concourse. He was like, he was an adult, too. Okay. He was, he was a grown adult. He was older than me adult. Like, he must have been in, like, late 40s, maybe mid 50s. And with him, during his walkabout around the concourse, was this bag of popcorn. Now, gentlemen, I want to know, is this weird or not? When I go to the movie theaters and I get a bag of popcorn, and um, <laughs> this is going to hit really close to home for uh, one of our loyal listeners, Ryan, because he knows my friend Adam as well. And Adam's a, a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> and anytime I went to a movie with Adam, which is rare because he, he doesn't like going to the movies because he knows he's just going to fall asleep. But anytime I go to a movie with Adam, he would be done his popcorn like before the, the previews are done. Like, we're talking large bag of popcorn. Matt, both of you the same way. All right, so maybe you're going to relate to my guy walking around the concourse. Previous Me, day. on the other hand, I'm just like, I'm picking. You know, I got a couple pieces of popcorn, pop it in my mouth. Like, it'll last me the entire movie. Easily, no problem. Bougie fuck. It's <laughs> just one piece at a time. Just one, one or two, Wait, you know, one but, or two okay. pieces. Uh, do you put butter on your popcorn? Of course. Do Layer? you wear it? Yes, of course you get layered butter. Okay. If you're going to the movie theater, you're getting layered butter. Okay, That's just, just making sure. Okay. Glad we're all on the same page there. This guy, walking around the Scotiabank Arena, similar to what Adam must be doing. I don't pay attention to him when he's uh, sitting beside me in the movie theater. But I'm assuming this is what's happening right beside me as Adam is eating this fucking popcorn. This guy was taking, like, fistfuls of popcorn. Like, we are talking full-on every bit of popcorn he can possibly get in the palm of his hand and then just dramming it in his mouth as he's walking around the concourse. It's like, this man looks like an ant, like, a, like an elephant or something, just like the trunk, just like shoveling <laughs> food in as fast as humanly possible. It was a sight to see. Like, I, maybe I'm just eating popcorn differently than everyone else. Like, so my, my question to you guys is, how many fingers... Are you gripping your popcorn with? Are you going like me? I think it's if I have to think about it, it's probably just the two, the thumb and the first finger. Maybe I'm tossing in the the second finger as well. This guy was going pinky deep, 
Like he had all five fingers in use and then some. Like he had some falling out of his palm, but still managed to just jam it in his mouth. Like that guy had to have been done his popcorn before he even made it back to his seat. Maddie. Who are you to dictate how he should be eating his popcorn and his enjoyment of said popcorn? No, I'm of the firm belief, like, <laughs> you can't use a fist. That it's There's so much waste. I'm a, I'm a, I am think I'm a three-finger guy. Three or four. That's it. Once you... <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, I, there, it's just enough to do the, the grab and the, the fill. Like, you know... What do you do with more than a handful? Half of it just falls out both sides of your mouth. I can confirm there definitely was casualty popcorn as this guy was trying to inhale popcorn as fast as he possibly could. Like there are people in other countries who it's it's the most actually the fistful is the most gluttonous display of anything. There are people in other countries who would look at popcorn as probably the most the delicacy of a lifetime. And this man is just (laughs) <laughs> fistfuls in the face i don't i don't oh, agree with it. you'd have kids in like pygmies in the jungles of the amazon who'd be trailing him down just ah <laughs> just behind just him. dropping trying to catch right? it all yeah but this was this was a point that i had okay this was something i had kind of mentioned to dustin while you were checking in what if okay what if this man's just truly, you know, we're commenting on saying, you know, let's not be wasteful. Let's not do this. Let's, you know, be clean eaters as Dustin says he is when, cause I asked him chicken wings. If you want to go into your chicken wings, Dustin, Dustin says, he's okay. A clean so chicken wing eater. Yeah. So the, the, what Maddie was asking me while we took a break there for a second, he's like, what about chicken wings? And I'm like, no, I'm still like a super clean eater where my left hand, cause I'm left-handed will be eating the chicken wing. And my right hand is totally clean and available to pick up the glass and drink it. And so I don't get, you know, wing sauce all over the fucking glass. Or if you need to pick up your phone and do something on your phone while you're eating chicken wings, you have that ability. If you have both hands just soaking in, you know, buffalo sauce, it's not going to work. You're going to be going through more napkins than anything else. You're going to go through more napkins than you are wings in that situation. Chicken wing is a two-handed experience. It is absolutely not a (laughs) two-handed No, it doesn't have to be. Just use a fork and get boneless. No, see, now now we're getting into the territory of George Costanza eating a chocolate bar with a fork and a knife. And that brings me back to the point of the popcorn, where, Maddie, you're asking me, who am I to say how he enjoys his popcorn? Well, what if it was George Costanza eating a chocolate bar with a fork and a knife? You would think he's a lunatic. No, but I just hate George Costanza with a fiery passion. I think he is probably the scum of the absolute earth. Like if you could picture the most despicable human being in media and entertainment, like historically, Costanza would be up in a top three for sure. But (laughs) my counterpoint to that, what if this, as I had said, this man's last bag of popcorn ever, what if this man's just truly living his life like there's no tomorrow? What if he's just like, you know what? Every day's a gift. Every bag of popcorn's a gift. I'm going to demolish this bad boy. But if every bag of popcorn was a gift, you wouldn't be wasting it like a Golgotha. <laughs> well, have to... what about the situation where before, so he's about to go to the game, him and his wife. And just before they leave to go to the game, she's like, listen, Jeremy, you know you have a problem. A I don't want to see 
I don't, you have a popcorn addiction. It's very like you just got out of PA. Popcorn Anonymous. We need you to control yourself tonight. Have as many beers as you like. But don't touch that popcorn. Because you know what happens when you touch the popcorn. You know, <laughs> it's shit pops babe, off. <laughs> babe, I got to use the washroom. <laughs> so, the- exactly. <laughs> so, but at that point, just he, drink it then. No. Then just dip the to, bag to your mouth. Tr- we'll, we'll get to that. He goes to the bathroom and he's like, you know what? This is my moment. He stops. He says, look, honey, I got to go to the bathroom. These lineups get a little long, both for concessions. <laughs> don't wait. And for don't bathroom. wait up. No. Would you like something? I don't want you to wait in line at the concession. You're enjoying your night. This night's about you. I will go get your drink. I will go get your food item. I will go to the bathroom, get your food item and bring it to you. And she's like, you know what? That's really sweet of you. Thank you. This whole time in his head, he's planning. He's percolating the machinations of how he's going to obtain this popcorn and devour it. He's got 15 and a half seconds going back. And even if he does actually have to use the bathroom, he ain't going. No. The most unrealistic he's got to use that time. The most unrealistic part about that story is him telling his wife that that night's about her. There's zero, there zero Raptors games where the night's about the wife. Zero. I mean, if she... She could be a big basketball fan. Yeah, but few and far between. This brings me to my next point. You're into like the bottom quarter of your bag of popcorn. How do you finish it? I'm a drinker. I'm a tip the bag, kind of shake some in a little bit, go to the corner, keep the hands clean. Clean eater here says no. Okay, I because my- it's not clean. You're going to end up having butter and salt and remnants of popcorn all over your face. I'm not a Neanderthal. I can get that shit into like a stream into the throat. Into also, the considering like where you are in this situation. So if you are in a movie theater in this situation, you're potentially blocking the view of someone behind you. Not because anymore. you're like 20 drinking years ago. popcorn into your mouth. Not no. anymore. 20 years ago, maybe. I don't think you're, you're steep enough in those seats now. You could do the you can do the drink and get away with it. For me, it, I, I finish my popcorn the same way I finish my beer. Uh, I leave the I leave the bottom. Oh, oh I see your flashback. Yeah. The skunky popcorn at the bottom. Yeah, I leave it. It's it's mostly just junk kernels and well, actually, if you go to the movie theater, it's not kernels because they're all popped anyway. But um, so is day old popcorn just as good as like day old pizza, like next day popcorn bag? No, no? I love God, it. No. Day old popcorn's horrible. He's all soggy. Oh, okay, wait. It's like, so. Okay. Well, actually, the Peter soggy popcorn. ones, it's the dry, non-good ones that are garbage. I'll eat the soggy ones all day because at least they taste like something. Yeah, salt and butter. It's great. Yeah. Okay, last last thing for me on this because fucking Yeah, because we should probably talk about sports. <laughs> Kernels, what's your go-to flavor? Well, uh, caramel or the cheesy? Jalapeno Jack. I'm a dill pickle guy. Cheesy dill? I mean, I'll take some cheesy dill if that's on the menu, maybe. No, at Colonel's. Um, if you go to Colonel's and you got the the menu, have you been to Colonel's? Of course I've been to Colonel's. I, I mean, I literally have Colonel's like, seasoning in my pantry right now. Oh, you and I have an all-dressed one. I have a salt and vinegar one. I have a dill pickle one. I'm saying if I go to the mall and I get a bag of kernels, which is incredibly rare for that to ever be a, a situation to happen, but I would I would reach for a dill pickle or a salt and vinegar. You should do it more often because their medium bags are lo- and up are buy one, get one 50% off. Just saying. 
Yeah, that salt and vinegar actually looks pretty good, not gonna lie. Jalapeno uh -huh. Jack. There's wild buffalo blue, West Coast Wave. Okay, I may have to hit a kernels soon. <laughs> There's actually one literally bad. down the road from us. Fuck. Okay. All right, so before we uh, move on to sports, I got one last thing. I don't think this will take long because I don't think you guys are caught up. Did either of you last night watch The Last of Us? No, because I'm not a fan of the games. Oh, my. All right. So that's, what I, that's what I expected. So I will quickly say I really liked it. Uh, the cool thing about the show, especially coming in with the, the video game background, is that you get to see a lot of the story that was kind of just told to you like there was a, a small conversation in passing about such and such that happened but now you get to see it flushed out so really cool my only concern and it's not even a concern it's like the smallest little nitpick of it they changed the timeline of the show so the game like the outbreak happens in 2013 and then it picks up 20 years later the show it's 2003 and then picks up 20 years later. I assume just so it'd be current day. So it's 2023 when the show is running. But the problem with that, there was a lot of like 2013 stuff in the game because essentially time just stops, right? Like once the apocalypse happens, like that's it. Like in terms of media, like so like the music and stuff they would listen to in the game was all 2013 music at the latest because nothing existed after that. So there's like a really important song in the second game that just won't be in the show because that song wouldn't happen for 10 more years. I suppose it's possible that Pearl Jam still existed even post-apocalypse and they're still making music even though the world had ended. But playing Jeremy. It's just unfortunate <laughs> that I assume that song is probably not going to be in the show. But that's the only thing. Still really like it. I'm actually, it was, <laughs> before we started recording, I was watching it for the second time this episode. It's really cool. I love it. I think it's definitely worth the watch, even though you didn't play the game. Yeah, I'll probably check it out when it's done, but it's not like I'm rushing to watch it. Yeah. So, I mean, considering you guys watched Halo and you gave that a shot, <laughs> you should definitely give this a shot. Oh, I will. Halo fans. I will. I, yeah, I, but... I've, I've talked to some people at work about this and I was like, ah, maybe I'll... I'll watch the show instead of playing the games because I'm not a fan of like horror games. But they're like, it's not a horror game. It's it's more of a thriller. So I don't. Like, I was like, I don't like jump scares. There is definitely jump scares in the game. So if you don't, I mean, it's not like there's a lot of them. It's not necessarily like based around it, but there are times where it's going to scare the tits off you. Now, uh, speaking of get your tits blown off. There was quite the interesting matchups happening in the NFL this past weekend. It might have been the best NFL wildcard weekend of all time. Super wildcard weekend. Get it right. Oh, excuse me. Super wildcard weekend. Probably the best super wildcard weekends. Vince of all McMahon's time. plugging had... the NFL now. Super wildcard weekend. It's not just it's not just your average. It's a super wildcard weekend. I mean, right. these games deserve to be called super. For and sure. we have to start start calling uh, everyone watching the games the NFL universe. <laughs> so everyone in the uh, NFL universe who is watching the Super uh, Wild Card Weekend. Well, I had to call it football anymore. It's <laughs> throwy <laughs> kicky entertainment. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think the game. So we'll start from Saturday, I suppose. The Niners and Seahawks was the only game that wasn't close. 
there was probably no point in that game where anyone really thought that the Seahawks were going to win that game, which is still crazy. I know it's Geno Smith. And it is also funny if you look at like the the quarterback matchups at some of these some of these games. At the beginning of the year, you probably didn't think you were going to see Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith in this game, but you know, here we are. And then of course, the Dolphins using a backup quarterback and the Ravens using a backup quarterback and who am I missing? I, probably not. I think that's everyone using a backup quarterback. Nevertheless, the Niners and Seahawks was fine. Uh, I, I think the, the best thing about that game is just Brock Purdy is for real. At least he seems that way, right? Like four touchdowns. That seems like a big, <laughs> like a really big deal in a postseason game for well, a guy who probably wasn't even considered being on this team at the beginning of the year. Well, the chatter now is that they're going to run with Brock Purdy, and and once Lance is healthy, he's he's going to be trade bait. I've heard rumblings that if the Ravens don't end up with Lamar, they might be interested in a guy like Trey Lance. Maybe or there's going to be Garoppolo. there's going to be musical chairs of quarterbacks, unlike we've ever seen. Because and it's it's not even about free agency or guys need to be traded. There are dudes that just stepped up and took jobs. And like, even think about the Rams, right? Baker Mayfield played pretty good towards the end of that season for the Rams. Uh, not great, but played pretty well. Derek Carr is out in Vegas. So there's the musical chairs is crazy. But yeah, Brock Purdy, sixth round pick. Very, who you know, Tom Brady was... You know what? It's funny. It's eerily similar to Tom Brady. Yeah. Late round pick. Guy comes out of nowhere, kind of. and People get hurt. He has to step in. It was Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Yep. Brady had to step in. I mean, you're definitely going to see a lot of quarterback movement because you know Lamar's not going back to Baltimore. Now, do they do a... I don't know. But that's the thing is, do you... Sure, Purdy showed good and you know he was the 276th pick in the draft the last pick of the draft and yeah like he showed good for half a season but is that enough faith to put into him as your number one like do you i think do you uh, sacrifice trey lance a high pick who you value pretty you know pretty highly and who you envision to be your quarterback of the future for what six games of Brock Purdy to say nope let's deviate I mean at that point I think you keep them both and then you say you know what let's see how this pans out you know you kind of seen a little bit of what Purdy can do so you know he might be the new Jimmy Garoppolo where he can be a starter but they just never had enough faith in him to be it but then he gets relegated to being a starter anyway because people get hurt and he comes in and just does the job you want him to do what if the 49ers win the Super Bowl? <laughs> and that's um, the comparison I was using was when the Ravens won the Super Bowl with Tom or Tom Brady <laughs> <laughs> with Joe Flacco. Um, yeah, they won a Super Bowl with him and he won Super Bowl MVP. But did you still want Joe Flacco as your starting quarterback? Probably not. And Hello. I think is I don't it's not exactly the same same situation with Purdy. But I don't think Trey Lance is going to be the odd man out here. I think no. it's going to be Garoppolo. Well, Garoppolo is a free agent. 
but and that's right. the thing, right? So, do you keep an asset like Lance on the bench, where you can get pieces I think this back? This year, I think this year more than any other year, and especially with the longer seasons now, you need two good quarterbacks now. Like, how many teams have we seen? And we, I mean, we just talked about it off the top. How many teams are using backup quarterbacks in the place in, in the in the playoffs? Because everyone's hurt. Everyone is banged up. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, having, it's very similar to NHL and goaltenders, right? Like the tandem. Yeah. Like I would say, how many years ago? Five or six years ago, people started you going like one A, one B. Yeah, because like the days of Brodeur playing seventy games was kind of out the window, because you were trying to to maintain your your assets, right? So you could be right. I just I think they could find somebody else serviceable and parlay Lance into something more for that team to sustain success. And we don't even know how healthy Lance is going to be, but the dude trounced Seattle. So, Right, but at the same time, you also look at it like this. If, say, this is as far as the Niners get and they lose, there's no better time to parlay Purdy into something than now. Because with as high as a pick as Trey Lance is, that's probably the guy you give a longer leash to. Now, if you're looking at a return and to say, hey, maybe a little bit more defensive help, maybe some more offensive weapons, you parlay would, Purdy into that. Imagine imagine the, the Patriots traded Tom Brady. But like that's your... You're taking Brock Purdy as Tom Brady, which is, you know, the unicorn. No, which what I'm saying is, in that same scenario, had they had traded Tom Brady, they would have traded Tom Brady. But you're pi- you're picking okay, one on. instance out of a history <laughs> right. of quarterbacks that have been guys that have played well for five weeks and then either fell off the map or got dealt and just never did anything. Right now, you're in charge of the 49ers. You can only keep one, Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. Who are you keeping? Brock Purdy. Insane. He has more. Yeah, he has, no way. He has no he has, way. <laughs> he, he a he's he's not hurt. He has more of a body Everyone's of work. Going to get hurt at some point. He has more of a body of work. I know what by I have. That logic, but by that logic, the Cowboys wouldn't be using Dak Prescott. He's been hurt majorly hurt twice. Yep, sure has. And he's Cooper leading Rush them to right. his, yeah historical and arguably the best producing quarterback for fantasy. Like sure. If you're looking for a quarterback for fantasy, you're taking Dak Prescott. And how but I think da- I think Brock Purdy has more playoff. <laughs> Does Brock Purdy have more playoff wins than Dak Prescott? Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, well, it depends on when <laughs> this episode yeah. ends See? and what yeah. the score of uh, that right, game. Right, but like be. that's also not truly a fair comparison as well, right? Like that's that's cherry picking the argument a little bit. I just think to say, to make the Brady comparison is a little far fetched more. No, because there's there's more. I I get, I get what you're trying to say to say like retroactively in hindsight, if they were to do that, yes, that's what would happen. But I think it's an easier look back at the guys who were littered of came in like Gardner Minshew, you know, that's like saying Gardner Minshew or, you know, Trevor Lawrence, wasn't it Nick Foles who won the, the Super Bowl for the Eagles too? And Nick Foles can barely get a job in the NFL next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cool. But he came in he came in, in a different scenario. Um, what I'm saying is there's a body of work 
for Brock Purdy there that is different. The not body enough. of the body of work is like five weeks, and so right. far a playoff win. That's what okay. I mean. If if it, if they continue down the road and they win a Super Bowl, so if they if okay, to not get to the hypothetical winning a Super Bowl, but say they lose next week, do you still feel the same about Brock Purdy? No, if they if they lose next week, I say you ride till halfway through the next season. And then so you're contingent on Purdy winning a Super Bowl for them to keep him. I would say he would be your bona fide number one next year if if they win a Super Bowl. Absolutely. All right. Well, you know who else scored four touchdowns on Super uh, Wild, wild, wild card, card, whatever. Uh, <laughs> it was your boy Trey Lance. No, excuse me, Trevor <laughs> Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> it was the TL got me. The TL got me. Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was your, your man who uh, got four touchdowns. And, you know, that game was oh. 27 nothing at one point for the Chargers. I, I thought to myself, I should just put five bucks on, you know, the, the Jags just for fun. What was I did you check I, in? I, I didn't. I, I I should have. Oh my god, that would be hilarious. Can you imagine what that would that that's easy couple hundred probably. Yeah, probably. I did have the thought, but I definitely <laughs> did not end up doing it. Um hey man, what can you say about our boy TK? Tony Khan, he's got it rolling. He's got this <laughs> I don't know if Tony it's Khan's more a genius the, in football I, and wrestling. I don't know if it's the Jags or if it's that the Chargers of the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL. They just it, oh, that's, it the Cowboys. <laughs> that's the Cowboys. I, think, I actually I think it might be the Vikings, but you know. Oh, oh I don't know about that. The Chargers are this well, team that has promise after promise, dude. They they I, exited yeah. the Philip Rivers era into Justin Herbert. Like that's that's pretty yeah, smooth. You can't put that game on Herbert though either. Like, no, I'm not. I'm saying. Was, oh no, no, but, I know what you mean. But yeah, in like, terms of they've had competitive teams since yeah. Philip Rivers took the helm. Right, and substantial just, quarterback talent, you right? Know, going I'm, from Rivers into Herbert, right? And I'm saying if you use those two as goalposts, it's been how long? Like 14 years, 15 years of competitive football in LA, and they just can't, they can't break through. Well, LA is San Diego. Yeah, it's, it's no, I I hear my you, I have friends who are Chargers fans that say you know same they knew they were, they said we knew we were going to lose. Say it's the same shit every year. Uh, and it's unfortunate. And then you then you look at guys like Burrow and Herbert getting compared against each other. I don't, I don't. Herbert's a great quarterback. I don't get the love uh, like that Herbert gets uh, over some of these guys, over a Jalen Hurts or over a Joe Burrow. What frustrates me about the Chargers, and this was a tough game to watch for me because I I really like both these teams. I think they're both enjoyable teams to watch and they're teams I always like rooting for. And I think it's mainly a because of Tony Khan and B because I do really like Austin Eckler. But the most frustrating thing about watching your chargers game is the fact that they probably have the best running back in the league on their team. And they use them like 80% of the time. Like how many times you'll watch a chargers game. You're like, Josh Kelly is in the backfield. It's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, I think I don't know what the Chargers are going to do and what the answer is to fix this team. Like they were 10 and 17. Like they weren't a bad team this year, but it always feels like they reluctantly go to their star players. It's almost like they're like, fine. Okay. I'll throw the ball to Mike Williams. 
It's like, well, yes, you should always fucking throw the ball to Mike Williams. Obviously, he wasn't playing in this game. But like, and yes, you should always be throwing the ball to Keenan Allen. And yes, you should always be giving the goddamn ball to Austin Eckler. And oh, you end up losing this game. I wonder why. And so they have, I they have a good Canadian kid in the Chargers. And Josh Palmer, too. Josh Palmer is no slouch. It's so. I, they're, they're in the negative. I don't the Chargers at all. No, go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say it's. it's and before every season, you look at the Chargers and you go. Are they Super Bowl favorites or are they just going to squeak into the playoffs? It, it's it's so weird. Like you say, they're 10-7. and seven. They should have been, I don't know, they should have been 13-4. and four. Yeah. That team could have easily been 13-4. and four. Um, And I, I just don't know where it breaks down for them every single time. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's the reluctance to, to you know, go to the, Go to the hoop with your star players, you know, and maybe they need a head coaching change. Well, they said they're sticking with them, but you know, there's going to be a lot of changes on that staff. But I think on the other end, you're down 27 nothing. A year two quarterback that is considered generational talent. You're, oh, you year mean three. You mean you're up your 27 <laughs> Or like, yeah, no, but like you're, no, I'm saying from the point of view of the Jags. Oh, okay. You're down 27 nothing. You have a gener- what's considered generational talent in Trevor Lawrence, and he's year two, and it's your first playoff game. Any other player would probably crumble in that moment, kind of pack it in and say, you know what, we're guys, we'll go out there, we'll play hard, but you know what, we'll come back next year. Like in your head, you maybe don't vocalize it, obviously, but then to come out in the second half and put on that kind of show. And do that kind of work, man. That's impressive. The dude literally played two different games. He threw four yeah. interceptions. And yeah, still- no, he threw four interceptions the first half, and then four TDs in the second half. Like for, and I think his total line at the end was like he had like a seventy-nine or like a seventy-five quarterback rating. Like it wasn't very but good, he, but he got no, done. It wasn't it's very not good. good at all. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. It's not very good. But you take out that first half, and that obviously rating is through the roof but to show that kind of poise and determination and you know never say die attitude which is kind of encapsulates the jags whole season you know they started terribly they came on strong they played their their last game to get in was that pick six to get in uh, the touchdown to win and it's just that game is a perfect representation of how their season has gone so far start terribly finish strong good point i i think it's interesting that and i kind of thought this last year when when i'm watching lawrence play is that i said to myself a couple times he's going to be a lot better when he has someone he trusts on the field with him and i don't think you can underscore what etienne does for him uh considering their history knowing that you have someone next to you that you're familiar with as a young quarterback that you can that you've been to war with that you're going to war with i don't i don't think that that's any like slouch i don't i the contributions of having those two in the same spot um i think it's really important well, they, i don't think people talk about it enough. Did, 
they did back-to-back championship games together in college, right? So they had the one against LSU, and then I think the other one was Bama. I think well, it was. So I, I do have currently five dollars on the Jags to win the Super Bowl. So what does that we'll pay? How, ah, like two hundred fifty bucks. Still, that's five dollars to turn into two fifty. But so they're who think, I'm rooting for at this point. I mean, they're a fun team to watch. To yeah. to sit there and. You know, because especially now after that comeback, you although the it's the Chiefs, I believe they're playing, or is it the Chiefs or the Bengals? Oh, that's a good point. I will look it up. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's the Chiefs. That's a tall order, but man, how do you not watch that game? And even if they're down, what twenty-one to three, well, you don't sit there and be like, if you like tight ends, watch the watch the Jaguars, because yeah, they're in Kansas. They're in Kansas City next week. Evan oh, yeah. Ingram gets all the looks in that offense. Yeah. But I mean, they're, we said this last week, they're probably the one team you don't want to play. And I think that's still true. Right. Especially but after last week, a team, no one wanted to play for sure. It had to be the Buffalo bills, especially going into Buffalo, but man, Miami, I feel like has just had the bills number like all year. Like, even though this game started with the bills, up big, but Miami came back and the Bills scored again. Miami came back and Miami's coming back and they almost did it, but this just fell short. It was a really fun game to watch. I wonder if Tua Tonga Bailoa had been healthy. Do you think they, they had enough to beat the Bills? Yes. I think so too. I think I, I think yeah. the missing Von Miller is way too much for what uh, yeah. they relied on for D. I I think I the think. the Dolphins had enough to beat them there. They did without them. Yeah. Um. You know I don't. I don't know. Again, I guess I'm not as familiar. I don't know what extra Tua could have brought to that game. You know, but I think the Dolphins are probably a couple pieces away from being true contenders. I think. I think you get a I true running back in there. Tua away. Healthy Tua, you get a true running back in there, so you can have a little bit of a more spread out offense. You know, free up some space for Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I, I I get your sentiment, but I, I still think Wilson and Mostert is a great combo. Like the, they've they've made do with the pieces they've had. Right, I, and I I get that. I just I think if you if you had, and it's gonna sound obvious, you're gonna be like, well, duh, but if you had a top. Th- 25% running back in the league on that team, I think they beat the Bills. Um, you know, even if you had like a, a, I don't know. I can't even think of one, but I'm not talking a, a, a Cook or a Henry or an Eckler, but someone just below that. I think you have one well, of those like, guys. I think it doesn't help that Waddle and um, Tyreek dropped some very easy catches early on in that game mm-hmm. like right wide but open, i feel it like, right i feel like chest. those guys are, those guys are so good that there's going to be ridiculous plays that they make that they shouldn't have caught so it kind of all comes out in the wash right yeah and games like that well, though like true you, you timing is everything with that in the season and timing is everything right yeah like yeah, it, it doesn't come out in the wash because the bills are moving on and they're not true. so Right, like if that's week one and he then say Tyreek Hill makes a crazy catch saying he had no business making that, people are like, wow, pretty nice catch. 
But if there's an obvious catch that he should have made that he drops, you don't look at it like, yeah, but he made that catch week one. You're like, no, when it mattered, he dropped it. Yeah. I don't know. I think right. next year, I think next year that division's going to be wild. And I'm ready for it as a Jets fan. It's going to be well, wild. Yeah. I think everyone's going to be real good in that division except the Jets. Um, no, next Jets match. <laughs> uh, no, I think the Jets are going to get Aaron Rodgers, actually. But we'll have to see how that turns out. Next matchup was the Giants and the Vikings. And that <laughs> will officially destroy my bracket. Dude. My bracket was looking good, guys. I had the Niners, check. I had the Jags, check. I had the Bills, check. Vikings lose to the Giants. Dustin. And you know, when you guys had mentioned who was like the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL, and <laughs> rightfully so, throughout the Dallas Cowboys and maybe it's the Chargers. But I said the Vikings just because I was watching um, Up in Adams this morning. I mean, it was yesterday, whatever it was. It must have been today. And there's a graphic that came up. It said Minnesota Vikings, 31 playoff appearances, zero Super Bowls, last Super Bowl appearance, 1977. Is that the worst Dude, in the league? Every it's got, sing, it's got every single there. every single conversation we had going to this playoffs surrounding the Minnesota Vikings were frauds. If every frauds. game exactly frauds. If every game. That was a one possession game. Went the other way. They'd be like, oh, and seventeen. <laughs> they were, they were that close in all these games. And every single analyst, and usually analysts are fucked. Like, it doesn't matter whether they play the game for thirty years or the whatever. I get it. It's all entertainment. Every analyst I listened to said, it was Stephen A. So they said, the Vikings aren't getting out of game one. They're not. And they were right. They didn't make it out of game one. They don't, they're not, they're not built for that game. They have, they have a Kmart defense. And a quarterback. Right. No, a Tarjay quarterback. Tarjay, yeah. It's, it's, you can't win like that. They, they won possibly a lot on luck this year. Well, and they're ar- arguably wasting the prime years of the best receiver in the NFL, or one of the best receivers in the NFL. I can count can a game. That- I can count a game. The Jets game where they didn't win. The Jets lost because of poor clock management. Could you it's imagine not that- what Justin Jefferson would do with a good quarterback, though? She, like, yeah. you make a good point that it's like the Vikings didn't win some of their games. The other team just lost. And there is a difference and someone people will say, well, what's the difference? That doesn't make sense. No, it does. Oh, it's yeah. like having the mentality of saying, you know, like we talked about before of saying there's a difference between I like to win and you hate to lose. Right. And it's, it's the same thing. It's you can win a game, but you can also lose a game. And the game, a lot of the games, the Vikings won weren't because they were better. It's the other team coughed it up. Yeah. It's it they 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 probably go down as the shittiest twelve and four team of all time. Or what were they twelve and thirteen and four? Thirteen four? and four. <laughs> yeah, shittiest thirteen and four team of all time. Uh, they're eight and one at home. <laughs> they're eight and one at home. It doesn't matter when you can't win wild card week one, right? Or super, super wild card weekend. Wild, yeah, yeah, it's all meaningless now, weekend. right? What do you do if and you're the Vikings? Okay. What do you do? 
get a good court. You trade for yeah. Lamar. I, I, well, I only know, see, I don't know how the Lamar thing's even going to work. Um, dude, think about again, it, it think about like all the names Garoppolo, Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers, Brady, Brett Favre, Lamar, like Derek Carr, it's Brock a, Purdy, Derek Carr, yep, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. That sure, why not? I mean, there's so many quarterback, there's more quarterback names out there this year going to the offseason as potentially available than there have been previously. But I think it starts, yes, with a quarterback. I think after that, I you have to look at that defense. Like, that was atrocious. Like that was I'm trying to that's like week one, two level defense mm-hmm. that you see where teams are still trying to figure it out. And it's you to know, have, they're going into their first wild have, card. Yeah, to have those weapons like to have both Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson on your team and, and just shitting the bet against the Giants and like give credit where credit is due. Danny Dimes been doing it all year. The Giants started out like seven and one or something. Remember five and one, six and one? Yeah. Yeah, they were they're in real bad shape at one point in the season. And so are the Jags too. Like the Giants and the Jags have been a really fun story to watch this year. Mm-hmm. But like the NFC North, man, you know, if Chicago does better, right? And sorry, I'm trying to I'm just trying to think of the Packers, I mean, you don't expect them to do better because, you know, realistically, Rodgers is probably not going to be there. But the Lions look like they're going to be much better. Yep. The Bears are probably going to be better. I mean, if they try to just run it back with the same team, I don't see them making the playoffs. There's no the Vikings, way. The Vikings might be the third best team in that division next year. Oh, 100%. If the, if the Lions pick up where they left off and maybe add pieces, mm-hmm. you feel real good about that team. And then if the Bears come back, Fields, you know, they got Claypool, they have that first overall pick, depending on what they do with it. Like we said last week, maybe they trade it to get multiple pieces or they or get trade something. Down. The Terminator. Trade yeah. down. Exactly. And so now you look and you say, where do the Vikings fit if they and if you're if you're a potential free agent looking at a team and you can I, I posit this to you too, both of you. If you're a free agent and you say, look, you're going to the NFC North, you have your choice between the Vikings, the Lions, and the Bears, the Vikings probably aren't on the top of that list at all. That's what it's like you Dustin know? said, they could be the third team, the third best team in that that division, which is I think I, I agree. I think the Bears can can have an overnight turnaround depending on what they do with those picks, because I think they severely well, once Fields got in there and if he stays healthy, I think they severely underplayed that offense. Um you know, and so depending on what they do with those picks, they trade down. They could they could turn around overnight, very similar to the way the Jets did. I actually think the Bears could follow a very similar path. Um, I also remember how much of the season Khalil Herbert missed as well. Right. So like they have a good running game too that you just didn't get to see. Other Montgomery, fields, like, Montgomery and Herbert. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, ugh. the the Vikings they're in for some pain, man. Um, yeah, this, this was going to be, if they were going to make a push, it would have been this year because especially, especially like we said now in hindsight's 2020 was seeing how good the, I guess, future looks for, you know, like we said, the lions and the bears, man. Well, not just that tough. you talk about, this is the year, you know, the Packers are probably out of it and they've been, they've been the biggest thorn in your side 
in getting anywhere in that division for God knows how long. You know, you the Lions weren't expected to be anything. The Bears were expected to be middle of the road, ended up being nothing. This was this was it. This was the path. It was like the Leafs in the Canadian division. <laughs> You're right, Dustin. This is it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was all the games that happened over the weekend, right? Not, There's no other games. No, Ravens, no, no other Ravens, game happens. I don't know what you're talking about. That's in there. Your Ravens coughing it up on the on the one. On the one. <laughs> Oof. On the one. Like, okay. okay. So, and then on, and just, then what's his name? Hunter. Oh, throwing up the touchdown sign like man's broke the plane. Dude was like three feet, four feet away from the plane in midair. Not even close. And who? I can I ask you a question? I assume you mean Huntley's when you say that. Huntley, like, whatever. I don't even know. This is yeah. a J- He's forgettable for that kind of play. What? He's forgettable. Who? Who? Who, who dives into the, the end? Who? Yeah. Who dives into the end zone with their hands over <laughs> the there? ball like that? Like if you're gonna dive over, you tuck. You tuck. <laughs> like, well, we saw a similar play that worked out for uh, Trevor Lawrence, but I guess Trevor Lawrence has the benefit of being like a massive. Six, six, like 46 20. feet tall where he just needs to like fall like, over and he will he just does the, the michael plane. jordan space jam thing trevor lawrence <laughs> and he just reaches it's kind of true he's a big look, man look the, the ravens were in shambles go the ravens were in shambles going into this season okay true. <laughs> at the beginning of the year we were on this show we were saying what do we think about the baltimore ravens and we're like who the fuck they're gonna throw to like, I get that Lamar Jackson is in a contract year and he wants to prove himself. And worst case scenario, he got hurt again. So that's something that not a lot, enough people are talking about, that Lamar Jackson went out in a contract year to prove himself that he can be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And then he, you know, got well, injured and missed the, the last month of sir. the season. And or, or he protected himself and protected his own investment. Possibly. And I, I saw comments from RG3 over the weekend where he said, you know, if if I was as smart as Lamar Jackson, I'd probably be still playing in the NFL. And there's decisions that- you make along the way that can ruin your body. And yeah, I, I don't I don't blame Lamar Jackson. Like if he's not healthy, he's not healthy. I'm, I'm not trying to blame Lamar Jackson. What I'm saying is the Ravens weren't a good team going into the year and they found a way to make it to the playoffs. Christ, there are so many games they lost this season that they had no business losing. Their their defense just fell apart consistently in the fourth quarter, week after week after week. The Ravens very well could have just won their division the way they had been playing. But their defense let them down. and Which is rare for the Ravens. Right. They've always been a defense first team. And I think the problem with this Ravens team now is that they, they lack identity. Nobody was. Yeah. I mean, all those guys from their glory years are all gone and they haven't really replaced them. Lamar Jackson is trying to put this entire team on his back. And when he's not in the lineup, I, I don't know how you can expect to to win a game against a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. So I understood. <laughs> I didn't think that game was going to be close. Honestly, I couldn't believe how that came down right to the wire as well. But the Bengals are moving on and that's fine. And we got to move on as well. There's one more game in the NFL that's actually happening right now as we are recording. So it could be the Cowboys in the next round. It could be the Buccaneers. We don't know. My money's on the Cowboys in my bracket. I I, I think they're ready. 
Yeah, so in my bracket, I had the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. And losing to the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. So take my bracket for what it is. It's just a, it's a bit of a mess. But um, for some of you, maybe my loss is to your benefit. Maybe it's a treasure to you. Because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. I wonder if you go there to Now Your Treasures, you might be able to find something on The Last of Us. Think about it. If you really enjoy the show and the game, maybe something there. It's sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram. And send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And remember, go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off. Know who else is looking for a discount? The Toronto Blue Jays are looking for a discount on one Bo Bichette. The Jays had come to an agreement with just about, I think it was 11 players that they had that were arbitration eligible. And they came to agreement with all of them. Uh, I think off the top of my head, it's like Bijo, Simber, Espinal, Guerrero. Romano. Romano. Oh, I have a list here. Uh, Jansen, Meza, Richards, Romano, uh, Swanson, Thornton, and yeah, Varsho is the last one. So all of them have come to terms with the new agreement. That's fantastic. Uh, the only one exception was Bo Bichette. The Blue Jays were offering Bo, I think it was $5 million bucks, And the yeah, Blue Jays offering Bo Bichette $5 million, and Bo wanted seven and a half. It's if you look at all the comparable players, I can see Bobachet's case. If you look at the other players that are playing shortstop and what their on-base percentage is and what their slugging percentage is, Bobachet is kind of the best in the league. As as crazy as that sounds, like you, we don't ever look at Bobachet as the best shortstop in the league because I don't think he is. But offensively, if you look at his production, I think he is. Like he's in the conversation with Seager and Bogarts and Javi Baez Mm -hmm. and Danby Swanson and Francisco Lindor. Like they're all hovering around that, those same numbers. Now, Trey Turner, I think is a guy that Bo Bichette is probably pointing at and saying, Hey, look, Trey Turner gets X or got X. He got a whole lot more free agency this past year. But Bo Bichette, I think was going to hurt him is the fact that his 2020 numbers don't like really exist. I don't think anyone's 2020 numbers exist. So when an arbit- arbitrator looks at these numbers, they're, it's going to be hard to define how much that season attributes to what their value is. Ultimately, all the, what I'm trying to say is there's room in between these two teams. There's $2.5 million separating them right now. And man, I really don't think it's worth the fight for $2.5 million. I'll tell you something. You know what's not going to be worth the fight? When the Jays go in there with a USB key or a cloud file saved with all this man's defensive highlights. 
and stats and they they start playing and they say oh yeah uh-huh okay and they're gonna say do you want to take seven and a half and we'll move you to second and he says no i want to play short and they start playing the tape again and they go uh-huh okay there's as much as the offensive production is there and that's fantastic the dude's got gaps on the defensive end of the game that he needs to address and figure out or humble himself and move his ass to short or to second. Second. Yeah. Because nope. it's <clears throat> it's bad. It's yeah. Well, yeah. it's not that it's bad, it's just not good enough. And and well, that's if you're going to hold on to that, then you got to get better. Yeah. He's got a noodle just, for an arm half the time. The reason Vladdy's a gold glove is cuz that the 400 pound man or whatever he is trying doing the splits every time there's a, th- a ball thrown his way. Cuz half the infield couldn't well, the year before nobody in the infield could throw to him. Before they got Chapman, they had Biggio throwing from third. Remember that? Oh, boy. Half the time, the balls didn't even make it to the mound when Biggio was throwing from third. Oh, so, yeah. Vladdy can thank Bo for that gold glove because he made him look real good. Trying to stretch out and make some pretty yeah. ridiculous plays. Thank him the wrong but, way. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, 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 agree. I just think I agree that five is probably too small. I think I, we talked about it. Maddie said this, too. I think they should settle in around six, six and a half. Um, or you know what? Is seven and a half really breaking the bank? I don't know. I think they. I th- I I don't think it's so much about the money in it, in as much as it is about the principle. I don't the think messaging? it's about the dollars. Yeah, I think you're right. I just think the problem is is a lot with arbitration when it comes to any sport, uh, like hockey, baseball, basketball. I don't even know what the arbitration's like in basketball. You never really hear about it, but. Um, arbitrators lean very heavily on offensive numbers more so than kind of defensive stats. They they kind of put more stake in them, which I think is kind of bullshit, you know, because I look at it similar to defensemen in hockey where it's saying, you know, defensemen's like, I put up 55 points this year. And you're like, great, how many did you cost? You know, and not necessarily plus minus, but because we all know how much of a flawed stat that is in hockey, but to say actively okay, what is your differential? You put up 55 points, but how many times were you on for X play that or giveaways that led directly to a goal, right? So, because Jim, you and me used to talk about this all the time. It's Jake Gardner. People are like, look at him. He can fly. He can score. And he moves the puck really well and blah, blah, blah. They're like, yeah, but how many of his giveaways lead to plays or directly lead to a goal? And so it's hard to... Those are harder to quantify than obviously offensive stats. Baseball has it with errors, but a lot of the time it's a play that Bo should have made that they may not count as an error, right? Because sometimes those errors are subjective as well. A lot of those times, what should be an error, they just say is a stretched out single by the hitter. Or, you know. Right, it it can be subjective sometimes. And especially when he's playing with Matt Chapman how many balls that were hit near Bo Bichette that Chapman just tried to field himself and then Chapman got the error because he just knew that Bo Bichette wasn't going to make the play, right? So, Or is that Chapman or is that the coaching staff going, you if you, if you feel you can make that play, keep Bo out of it. Go right. for it. Because they'd much rather have him try and risk it and stretch it out than have Bo try to make it. For the last, for the last two years, Bo's runs runs saved above average 
or actually, let's just do last year. Totals minus 12. Last year, though, run saved above average was minus 14. <laughs> that is not good. No, no bueno for those who speak <laughs> Spanish. Yeah, right? It's That is very difficult. The, the bigger issue here, and this is just arbitration in general, is having to stand in a courtroom and explain to a third party that this player on your team sucks. And or how much, you know what I mean? Like, worth, yeah, it isn't worth what he's asking for. So like you're, you're essentially telling him like, you have an inflated sense of self. You're not worth that. Let's bring it back down a bit. So you're essentially shitting on his ego. Yes. And then you have to go ask that player to play for you for 162 games <clears throat> or hopefully well, more. You're expecting Bo Bichette to be a part of this organization for a long time. Remember, Bo also was the one who said when what's his tits got fired. Um, I don't even remember the guy's Montoyo. name. Montoyo. Montoyo. He, uh, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I agree with it. I think it needed to happen. He was, he was, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, so I, I don't know if there's something between him and the organization that's kind of been brewing. Um, you know, he was he was part of a lot of, you know, we always say where there's smoke, there's fire. Part of a lot of the trade talks for Juan Soto when uh, when those rumors were circling the Blue Jays. So I don't know if there's something, like, I, I, again, I kind of wonder if the Jays are, are like, Bo, we need you to move to second. And he's like, I'm not moving. <laughs> and they're like, Bo, we really need you to go to second. <laughs> Bo, we need you to go to Drops second. His short and steps we're gonna on try. We're gonna try and sign Correa. No, cool. Correa's gonna play second. No, Bo. <laughs> Correa's no. gonna play short. You're gonna move to second. So I don't I'm know. I'm not moving. There is da- There can be damage, though. You're right in these things because it's literally one guy trying to justify himself and the team shitting on you. Right. So. But I think it's so common in baseball too, arbitration. Like it's it's a pretty common practice, more so than any other sport that I think, you know, that, yeah, we look at it like that. But I also think that dudes are professional about it. They understand the process. Yeah, you know, and I also, that, don't think, I also don't think the teams go in there going, listen, Bo, your, hit, your batting numbers, great. On the defensive end, you suck a huge amount of ass, all right? You're fucking, you're <laughs> fucking you terrible. You know, Shapiro just like, well, Bo, you know, we we looked at the numbers. Yeah, your numbers are good. You know, you, you, your fans love you. Your offensive numbers are great. But let's just be honest, defensive side of the ball, you're pretty much a dick in the ass. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't think it's, yeah. You you fuck us every week, Bo. Uh, I don't think it's anything like that. So I think they find constructive ways of saying, hey, understand your, your perception. However, we see this. We think this is fair. We think you can get to here, but it's going to come at this cost, blah, blah, blah. And that's the thing. Like with arbitration, you're like, he can, it, it, it's kind of like the bridge deal in hockey, right? It'll take you to the next step. And I think the most difficult thing for him to stomach is watching Vladdy get 14 and a half. But again, Vladdy's gold glover and yeah. AL MVP runner up. And. Which- would have been the MVP if it wasn't for freak of nature Otani. Right. So I also, I, I, I look at, I, I see both sides. I do kind of agree with what you guys are saying in terms of it can brew some bad blood. And the one instance that I can obviously say, and I know we, I personally bring it back to hockey a lot because it's what I know most of is I remember when PK and the Canadians went through arbitration and that got ugly. 
Like that got real ugly. Um, so much so that it almost felt like after that you knew he wasn't long for that franchise because it was only a couple years later that he was dealt. Yeah, which is and that's somewhat topical too because we saw that recently where PK came out at the Bell yep. Center and had they that moment him. with we had that moment with Carey Price too, and it's like you know as a, as a Maple Leafs fan, and I think I'm speaking for all of us as Maple Leafs fans. Even seeing that is like, man, I feel bad for the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't normally give a shit about the Montreal Canadiens. In fact, I, I don't, if they were on fire, I wouldn't piss on them. But you see something like that and you're like, man, this franchise had it. Yeah. They had PK Subban in his prime and they had Carey Price in his prime and they just couldn't put it all together. And it all slowly, it all, I mean, I guess <laughs> took a while to fall apart, but the, the fall was slow well, and steady and they have we talk we talk about how yet. they were littered with their first round picks that don't exist on their team and joke all the time about how long until Slavskowski's traded and now he's yep. hurt right so i mean i i don't think it'll lead to bad blood especially because like i said baseball and especially also too bo coming from baseball lineage i'm sure his dad it tells him look this is the process you know, they will say some things you don't agree with that may come hurt. But remember, they're not saying this personally. This is just to make their case, right? As you will make your case of why you deserve X. So I don't think, and plus word gets around the league where if that gets contentious to the point where Bo takes it really insultingly, other teams will find out and you just tank your value when it comes to free agency, potentially, as well as trade partners. So, you know, it, it could very well be kind of ugly down the line, but I mean, he'll probably just go in and be like, this is why I think this, they'll be like, this, this arbitrator will look at the numbers, especially because baseball has more numbers than they know what to do with their numbers have numbers. So, you know, I don't think it'll be too bad. I honestly see an arbitrator is just going to be like, guys here, 6.25. We're done. Let's go. So we need to move on to the Maple Leaf story, but before we do that, I would just like to take this moment and for you guys to be the witness of this, that I am going to officially declare myself for the Royal Rumble. Thank oh, you very nice. much. I will see you guys at the Royal Rumble on the 28th. Because apparently that's all you need to do. Just fucking show up and say, I'm, a, I'm declared to be in the Royal Rumble. And they're like, okay, you're in. How many is it now? Is it still 30? Yeah, they went up to 40 one year. And then the, there's one in Saudi Arabia where they did 50. But... It is back down to 30. Oh, it'll be back up to 50 now that the Saudis own it. I would like to see a Royal Rumble process where they have to apply and then there's an arbitrator. (laughs) And then you're in the room (laughs) where it's like, hi, I'd like to apply to be in the Royal Rumble. They're like, okay, can you make your case? Like, well, I I beat so-and-so. And And they're like, yeah, but you're 12 and 58 this year uh, in (laughs) in singles matches. Yeah, uh, really don't think there's probably some other better guys we can get into this. We're like, but 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 I beat uh, so so and so. I actually had a thought about the rumble, and I wanted I I saved it. I was actually going to talk to Jim about this today because oddly enough, I ran into him at the grocery store, and really didn't give a shit about seeing him because his daughter was there, so I was hanging out with her. So, um, so much so that she tried to carry some of my groceries, but. Still not quite the age group yet where she's carrying two cases of pop. Though she tried, bless her heart. So I bought her a box of Smarties. But um, anyway, my thought was, I don't know how they would pull this off because obviously WWE is scripted and the Rumble is scripted to a degree. 
But if they could find a way to be like, have all the guys sitting on like this bleacher thing or something like a really grand bleacher thing. And you have someone who's drawing names out. So you have like the one, two. And I know part of the awesomeness of the rumble is like the countdown and then the guy's entrance music plays and they come out. But like, wouldn't it be cool if they're all there waiting and like kind of hyped up and they draw the name and then the guy looks and he like presses a button and that guy's entrance music goes on. And then the spotlight goes on the guy kind of like prices, right. And then he comes down from the bleachers and runs in kind of thing. That'd be kind of <laughs> cool. Just something different Dude, for once. If they were up there, I would just beat the shit out of everyone while I'm up there. <laughs> right. Cause they're like, your opponents. Life, if, if this was like, you know, some like a real life thing for sure. But I mean, just as to try something else, to you know kind of add some flavor to it you know to spice it up outside of the only spice you get in the royal rumble the surprises of you know you know the standard what if there's 30 you probably know 25 of the guys who are going to be in it 27 that's what and that's essentially the joke i'm making by saying i'm declaring myself for the royal rumble one because it's preposterous that these guys just come out and say they're going to do it and they're in it but i think there's a fundamental misunderstanding on WWE's part of what their fans like. Because why are you telling me who's in the Royal Rumble? Why can't it just be a surprise? Mm-hmm. You've already sold 30,000 tickets. You're not going to sell anymore. People are going to see the Royal Rumble. They're not going to see, oh, Cody Rhodes is in the Royal Rumble. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to sign up for Peacock now. <laughs> no. Like the people who are going to watch the show are going to watch the show. You don't need to spoil the surprise by advertising weeks in advance of who's going to be in there. I just think it's silly. And considering Cody Rhodes has been on the injured reserve for some time, we kind of expected he'd be activated soon. But someone who's not going to be activated off the injured reserve anytime soon is Nick Robertson, who just got placed on injured reserve today. And it's about six months. I think they said his recovery time is looking like he's not coming back for the rest of the season, which is too bad for the kid. Like he was starting to find some traction in the lineup. I know he wasn't there all the time, but they were using him in a top six position when he was on the team, which, I mean, for a team that has Austin Matthews and William Nylander and Mitch Marner and John Tavares, that's a pretty good spot to be in. Uh, do I think Callie Yarncroak is a top six forward? No. So I think that's part of the reason why Nick Robertson was given an op- every opportunity possible to be on this team. So... That being said, I feel like there's a, I want to say a big hole. He's not like, I think we were talking about this before we started where he hasn't been the guy that I think everyone wanted him to be. But nevertheless, there's a hole in the lineup now. And there's a potential to fill that with somebody or something. Now, I know Robertson was only making like... $797,000. So it's not like, oh, we got a bunch of cap space all of a sudden. But there is still... That's the thing. There is still a lot of cap relief because of the 5.6 that Muzzin has. A lot of cap relief because of the 5 million that Brody has. Plus there was time that Murray was on the injured reserve as well, and that was a portion of his 4.6. Victor Mete's been on there like almost all year. There's some money to play with right now. And it looks like it's still not a lot. It's probably like $1.1 million. So the question is, 
who fills this spot or no one at all? You think it will be internal or do you think they will just fill it in with, you know, someone who is in the press box almost? So like a, a Dryden Hunt or a Wayne Simmons just finds their way in the lineup more often. Bobby Mack. <laughs> Bobby McMahon. Let's go. I like him. I like the way he plays, to be honest. I obviously don't think he's your solution, but I do like the way he plays. He's a bigger body. Um, he's not obviously not massive, but he grinds. He's a north-south type guy. I, I'm getting in such cliche hockey talk here when yeah, you're talking like about a post-game a interview over here. I know, eh? Um, but yeah, like that's it's the type of guy they're missing. Um, I think he will service until deadline where they start having to look very seriously at like this is the if you're ever if there was ever a time to sacrifice a first round pick, this would be the year. Right. And depending on what that gets you, I know there's talk Ryan O'Reilly would be a good fit. First round pick worth? Absolutely not. Cause he's a UFA and he's having a really shitty year and he's hurt right now. So you're probably getting him when he's coming back from injury. So it's probably not a guy you want to sacrifice a first round pick plus to make room for the, for the money. Um, and I, and I feel bad cause this name always comes up when we talk about trading, but if O'Reilly's coming in, Kerfoot's the likely player to go out. <laughs> as part of what that package yeah. looks like just to yeah. make the money Dude. balance right I, I get it i know I just, it's both just always unfortunate that we're it's always kerfoot well kerfoot and Engvall are both ufas and they're the most vanilla dudes on this team right and yeah. and at the end of the day if you're going for it those are pieces you can move out because you're not committed to them um you know i don't i don't like if you're gonna move them move them now like they're not gonna do you any good at the end of the season. So if there's a way to find, you know, even from Phoenix, if there's a forward, um, is it a Keller that come like somehow, um, as they, they look to rebuild their team, is it, you know, Matt's talked about it and it's looking more and more apparent that maybe they're just holding the spot for Matthew Nyes. I don't, I don't know. And that's why they're just rotating people in there. Cause they, they feel like they have something coming down the pipe. Um, all I know is right now they've, dude, if you've had a pulse, you probably could have got a shot in the Leafs second line this year. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just, it's been a rotating thing. And I don't, I don't know that the solution is here in, in present day, present moment. Kerfoot is not, ain't that guy. Angval's not that guy. You know, Yarncrook is serviceable, but at the end of the day, not that guy. Um, you know, Camp, Hunt, Simmons, who else they had? I'm not gonna lie, Holmberg. Like, Holmberg's say, been great, but not that's that the guy. Name. But like as a four fine guy, who especially in the playoffs is probably going to see like six seven minutes a night. You feel okay having him there, and with the with Dryden Hunt, who I think has played well. I don't think he's been a liability. I think the rise of Holmberg has been a quiet surprise, especially when there's been so many guys in the Marlies that we've thought would make the jump and he came in and just goes, puts his head down, gets to work. And then you have, you know, like we said, Matthew Nye is coming that I think that makes Engvall and Kerfoot more expendable than a previously thought that they may have well, perceived. What is, what does Kerfoot bring to the table that Holmberg doesn't? A little bit more offensive touch, but Harvard I mean, education. Yeah. And a Harvard education. And, right. but Holmberg's Swedish. 
right? Like he brings meatballs. He, you know, he's probably like <laughs> pregame guys. I got the meatballs. And I keep that's Italian, like whatever. Yeah, it's Europe. So, it's all the same thing. Yeah, it's all the same country, whatever. But <laughs> I, that's the thing is you have emergence from unlikely sources in Holmberg, Hunt, um, and, and like even McMahon for a couple games, and even even though he's hurt with a kneecap injury, Mac Hollowell as a defensive, he played okay when he was up here. Connor Timmons has looked great. You know, for his, which could be a potential well, absolute steal. At times, he's looked really good. Yeah, but I mean, for a right-handed defenseman, that was an absolute hole that this team had. He's been better than you expected him to be. Oh, that for sure. Yes. Right. So, I and Jim can speak to this because I always compare this. Jim and me were very different players. He was a much smarter player than I was, but I was a heavier player than he was. Robertson has to change the way he plays. And that's coming from a dude, me, who played heavy. Robertson needs to slow it down. If he wants to play in the NHL, he's not Austin Matthews. He's not even Mitch Marner or Willie Nylander. He doesn't have the body size or strength to play the way he currently does. Because in his head, he he's 0-60 to 60 and he doesn't slow down because he thinks that's what they want from him. And it is to a degree, but they want it in certain situations, not every yeah. situation. When There's you're going a, into the corner at a you know 100 miles an hour against a Victor Hedman, you should probably slow it down because you're not going to win that fight. There's a there's a healthy balance between getting the game and letting the game come to you, and I think he just doesn't know when to let the game come to you and, and when to go after the game. And you gotta you gotta find that balance because you'll hear arguments from both people. You gotta be aggressive. You gotta you know you gotta you know, take charge and own it. And then some people will be like, oh, calm down, let the game come to you. And it's very situational. And it's very, you know, assess the moment, assess the situation, look at all the variables. And th- that's why hockey is such a difficult sport is that there's so much happening all at once. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get a feel for it. And I don't know that he's there yet. And I say this coming as a guy who didn't play in the NHL, but um, I would, I would surmise that there is a level of, um, kind of like when you're in the flow of the game then you then you it just kind of clicks i don't think it's clicked for him yet on that level because yeah you're right every time he's out there it's like a buzzsaw and you're just like holy shit you love it but at the same time you're like dude this is why you're always getting hurt like you need to know the moments to turn that on versus to just sit back and assess the game and like i said that's coming from me who was always like attacking the game, didn't necessarily think the game in the way that Jim does. I was always just like, give me the puck and I'll run through somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, that was it. That was how I played. So it was, <clears throat> sorry. I just, you feel bad for the guy because the skill's there. The talent's there. And everything you want is there. It's just, it's almost like he can't get out of his own way. Yep. Do you know what I mean? So I think... I think that spot is, like you said, Dustin, I think at this point they are holding it for Matthew Nyes, especially if you see some of his highlights recently. Like, that dude's just tearing it up in the NCAA. Like, almost ridiculously so. Levels of what Bedard made that tournament look like, he's doing in college. Um, But And they they do have one contract spot available, so. Right, depending on what they do at the trade deadline, obviously, too. So, I think that'll be really telling. Seeing what happens at the trade deadline will be very telling to see what their plan is for him. If they go get someone strictly like uh, Ryan O'Reilly and possibly a Luke Shen, 
it's fairly obvious they're holding that spot for him because I would say O'Reilly would be, you know, maybe first power play, potentially second power play. And, you know, sometimes second line, second line minutes, third line center, most of the time, you know, but I mean, if it is O'Reilly though, he's the guy in St. Louis, like that's his team. And he's first power play. He's penalty kill. You know, he is your guy. Being not the guy can sometimes affect players negatively. Now, if you bring O'Reilly in and he knows he's sixth or seventh on that depth chart, are you getting mentally the buy-in from him or no? I, I think so. I, I think so too. I mean, he's going to come off injury and like he was, he's not going to have the same opportunity in St. Louis that he has here. I mean, they're six points out of a wild card. They're not third in the league. Again, playoffs is a different beast. However, if he wants another crack at anything, I mean, this is probably his his best shot, again, outside of Boston or Tampa. So, Well, Tampa well, hasn't well, even looked that good this year, right? Like, in terms of what we've known Tampa Bay to be, they've at spurts. But, man, it's going to go through Boston, and everyone knows that. And O'Reilly's the type of dude you go into that war with, right? So, There'll be a lot of changes at the trade deadline, I think. And I think there's also going to be a lot of changes at the trade deadline for the NBA as well. February the 9th, the trade deadline is approaching us very quickly in the NBA. And we heard some interesting comments from one CJ McCollum earlier this week, who, from my understanding, was on a podcast. And actually, I'm going to click on this. Does it tell me the name of this podcast? Because this uh, article I'm reading from sportsnet.ca which is written by Sportsnet staff. <laughs> I, I love those ones that are uh, uh, that are actually given uh, the proper credit to who where it goes. It's from an ESPN podcast, uh, which is oh the CJ McCollum show. Okay, well there you go. So it's oh, from the, the horse's mouth, as as it were. And CJ said the fall. He said a bunch of nice things about the Raptors, as you tend to do when you uh, then you know, throw the insult in at the end there, but it says, I think in terms of what they need or what they're lacking, there's something going to happen. I don't know what there's rumblings about certain players on the team, not being happy and due to tampering, I can't speak to that, but I think they're going to make someone, they're going to move someone at some point. So it, it's, it's noteworthy because obviously he plays in the league, but he's also, president of the players association so it's not like he doesn't know the players it's not like he doesn't know players from other teams and we know these guys all talk to each other anyways and the fact that he is very careful about not tampering and suggesting anything i think is a clear indication that he knows what he's talking about here the toronto raptors are in a very difficult spot right now in the nba where they aren't so bad that they're like bottom feeding in the standings right now. And there's the sky is falling and there's nothing they can do that. They are just dog shit or something like they're, they're 11th place in the Eastern conference. And you know, the NBA is stupid and 10 teams make the playoffs. Well, not really like they have that play in, but you get the idea. 10 teams are going to play meaningful basketball at the end of the season. The Raptors are right there. They actually have the same record as Chicago Bulls. 
who are in that 10th spot. But on the flip side, they're about, you know, 10 games back of being the bottom of the barrel in the, in the NBA. So I don't envy the spot that Masai Ujiri is in right now. How do you determine what this team is and what you need when you're this close to the playoffs, but at the same time, you're this close to the bottom of the barrel? I can tell you for a fact, without mentioning any names, that there are people in the Raptors organization who are not very happy with the way they're playing right now. Um, and I don't know what it's it almost. So that aside, my personal opinion on my uh, pers- my perception of the team as I watch this team play, it appears as though they're kind of falling apart at the seams where the the strategies that they had previously that worked previously is not working anymore and it feels like there's a level of frustration that's bubbling on that team that may be directly related to what McCollum is saying here hmm i think it, i just one to start off really bad look for him to talk like this given his position and how the league works you probably shouldn't be opening your mouth about shit like that you know because that one could get a lot of people into a lot of trouble especially for jerry who's already been fine for tampering you know like this i don't know that just to me it's just a really bad look commenting on another team they have nothing to do with like you can say hey it just looks like a team that was like this and guys look kind of frustrated or whatever you know you can say it on the outside looking in almost but this is like him almost saying i've talked to guys they want out they've already been told that they're probably going to get moved it's just, it's not a good look two um i just think it really kind of came to a head the other week when nick nurse just absolutely laid into the team yeah and I think guys are like, you know, we're playing hurt. Some of us are like, you're essentially running six or seven guys out there. We're grinding ourselves into dust and you have the nerve to come out and say that kind of shit. And I just think that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back, to be honest, for them. So, I mean, who would it be? I think Fred Van Vliet's probably your obvious candidate of who would be referenced. Possibly also Pascal. Although I don't know why, because the ball is going through him, essentially. Like it goes Van Vliet into Siakam. So I don't know. It's it's tough, but you definitely don't. Generally, it's like this: when whatever you hear, it's not as bad or not as. Let me rephrase that. The fact that it got out like this, to me, says it's probably a lot worse under the surface than what we actually see or hear. I, they're a team that has, I, we said this before, they have too much of the same thing. They have too much stretch guys that, you know, stretch wingmen that they expect to, to be this athletic, both sides of the ball, you know, drive, shoot, do it all thing. And they don't have anybody who can do the, the tough work. They don't, you know, Marcus all used to do a lot of the tough work. Serge Ibaka used to do a lot of the tough work. They don't have those guys anymore. Um, well, you've you know, been screaming for a big for how long? Right. 
Um, <laughs> and it's just it's fr- probably frustrating for those guys because you got a bunch of guys who, at least three guys who do the same thing, right? Like Pascal, OG, and Scotty do the same thing. Like they're the same player. And so when you're running plays, when you're expecting things from people, who's supposed to do what? Now you're asking guys to do things that they're probably not very good at. And I get sometimes you got to take people out of their comfort zone to learn. But okay, you can maybe do that when you have two guys, but three guys, the same thing. Somebody's getting pushed very far out of what they do um, in order to to fit in and find a spot and stay. Um, and, and, or Or they're doing everything they can just to stay afloat. So I don't know. Like the team, number one, the team needs a two. They don't have a proper two guard. Um, you know, Gary Trent's great, but I think he's probably better off the bench uh, as a spark. So they need a true two, and they don't have a one. Um, so <laughs> the team doesn't have a two. They also need a one. Oh, sorry, a five. A five. Um, no, no, no. But it's just like you know yeah. what I mean. It's. Um, I meant to say five. Uh, Fred. Yeah, I mean. There's rumors of Fred, like, apparently LA was going to offer, like, those picks that they were going to offer to get rid of Russ for uh, for Fred. Um, I just, it's, it's such a, and I think, you know, the thing with Nick Nurse is, I think he's, you have success so quick, it's very hard to not have success. Like, you think about, he won the championship, then they were incredible the next year, even in, in the COVID shortened season. They still made the play, like, it's got to be hard for that guy to 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 go through this because this is not good. And if you're Masai, what do you do? Like you said, do you you have your first round pick for the next three four years? Are you tanking and, and acquiring talent? Are you out there trying to sign free free agents? They've had shitty luck with free agents. Look at Otto Porter Jr. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, what do you do? Uh, I well, take your pick, Scotty, OG, and and Pascal. They're all not very old. Well, like, and like, but you, you can't—they can't all be untouchable, can, right? And do you? I, I, me personally, I think it's Pascal. That's what you'll get the most for. Um, but is he the most unhappy? I don't know. I just—I'm curious what you guys think. Like, who do you think is the piece outside of Fred? Because obviously, I think we can all agree that he's probably the most unhappy right now. But outside of of Fred, do you, what do you think is? the likely piece to go that also gets them the most of what they need back. Well, I think there's no one more valuable to this team right now than Fred and, and uh, Pascal. I can see OG getting a lot of attention, but I don't see OG as being the guy who's upset. I don't think that's like in his nature. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. It's too chill. Yeah. Like I, I, if I had to guess of who I think is the one who's like, get me out of here, probably Gary Trent. Yeah. Where I, I think Trent um, can be a very valuable player to any team in the NBA if he's used properly. I, I don't think he's in a position with the Raptors right now as what he needs to be. I think he needs more guys to play off of, and he doesn't really have that here. Mm. I would almost, I've, I've seen a lot of articles of people like defending Scotty, like Pascal saying, oh, he's working his way through it. I wonder if Scotty's a little frustrated. Um, just you know, maybe not getting the the elevated playing time. Maybe not getting the position. You know what I mean? Like if you think about it, again, you have three guys doing the same thing. Right now, he's third. 
third yeah. in those guys. Mm-hmm. Rookie of the year yeah. is third out of those men. That's that's not a comfortable spot for that dude. Um, so I don't know. It's just it's a weird situation. It, it is weird to be so so. And we talked about Leafs being top heavy. The Raptors are tilted, like the court's tilted so one way. Like you can't play like that. You you can't expect to win. Um, you know, and and even Pascal, like guy's been on fire a couple games. The dude has one move. You know, so if he's not shooting well, he's not playing well because he doesn't he he doesn't have any post moves. He doesn't have a lot of you know moves off the dribble to the basket. So, I mean. I've I've always said like if I'm moving a guy it's Pascal because again you're gonna get a lot in return I think he's the most one dimensional out of all those guys and you know I I just think you you get better with OG getting more time he's he's more dogged on defense he's got more of that attitude that you want to see uh, and you get Scotty some more playing time so yeah well you could also uh, argue that OG shoots the three better than Pascal too. Or has yeah. the potential to be a better three shooter than OG, than Pascal. But God, man, what what I wouldn't do for a, set, a true center on this team that beats the shit out of people in the post that can Just stretch like the six, floor, like a six nine, six ten guy. Minimum. Not no true seven footer, um, that can that you can dump the ball into, um, and even for and Fred, man, I don't know if if Fred goes, this team's tanking because they don't have another option to put Malachi Flynn. Ain't it? That's your. That's gonna be your starting point guard. Well, I can, can Gary Trent carry the ball up the floor. I mean, he's shown that he he probably could be your point guard for small spurts. But like, if you're tanking, who gives a shit? Who's your point guard? Honestly, I can see them using Scotty Barnes in that spot before they use Trent. True. Right. So yeah, I mean, and that kind of solves your problem with like getting him more touches on the ball and kind of getting him more involved in the way he probably would want to be, whether he's comfortable playing that right now, who knows, but I mean, yeah. well, definitely some changes afoot for the Toronto Raptors and there's going to have, something's going to have to happen for them to make a move one way or another, whether they feel like they're going to make a move into the playoffs or they feel like they're going to tank out and crap a pick in the draft. We will have to wait and see, but it is no longer any wait for anyone else. Cause everyone's been waiting for our favorite segment of the week. That's right, it is everyone's favorite segment of the week. It's your favorite segment of the week because it is a segment we get to hear Maven's entrance music back from when he had a very short run in the WWE, or I guess WWF at the time, from 2001 through 2001. And he declared himself in the Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, yeah, at some point he declared himself for the Royal Rumble. He did have that uh, Royal Rumble moment with The Undertaker. I think that was 2001. Yeah. Nevertheless, gentlemen, who is your shout-out this week? You know, I'm going to go first because I've been thinking about a shout-out all like, the entire episode. And I've had one. I'm like, should I do anything different? But no, I'm going to stick with this one. My shout out goes to one Neil Druckmann. Neil Druckmann is the creator of, or I should say creator of Naughty Dog Games. He was one of the uh, co-presidents, we'll say, of Naughty Dog Games and is noted as the writer and creator of The Last of Us. 
And on the television show, he is one of the executive producers of The Last of Us for the television adaptation. As I mentioned on this show, I'm really enjoying The Last of Us, even though it's only been one episode, but it's kind of technically two episodes because it made the first two episodes of the one episode. Nevertheless, it's a really good show. It's a fantastic game. It's an incredible story. Highly recommend you check it out. It airs every Sunday night on HBO or here up in Canada on Crave. Gentlemen. Hold on. Speaking of Crave, I have to ask, did I kick you out today, Jim? No. Okay, because wifey me go to watch something and it said, please sign in. I'm like, well, something's getting kicked out. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just like, I'm if I get a text from Jim, it's going to be him. <laughs> um, I actually had two shout outs. One we kind of went over because it's my boy. I have a bunch of his cards, thanks to Jim, and I'm going to be buying his jersey. Trevor Lawrence for that amazing comeback being down 27 nothing and showing the poise of a Tom Brady and showing the touch of an absolute stud quarterback and you know shutting everyone up who said like he was going to be a bust now no shut it even if they don't win or go on further than this that in of itself is enough two uh i think we mentioned it last week we or it might have been pre-show when we were just talking about it in general but uh Shout out to everyone who was involved with Games Done Quick. Um, it's a, for those who don't know, it is a week long, 24 hours a day for the seven days of the week. Um, and it happens every January and then every June where it is a bunch of gamers come together to speed run various video games. Some just saying start to finish, some show glitches or you know, different ways around the game or whatever, but they do it as a way to raise money for charity. And they raised $2.6 million in this week for the prevent cancer foundation. Crazy. And yeah. And I just, every year they do, do, you know, great work, you know, twice a year. Um, so really looking forward to summer games done quick in May. And I just, I, I think it's really cool. Um, and it's just a lot of good people with good intentions, just, you know, wanting to some for seven hours in their run some for 30 minutes some even for five minutes just you know doing some cool shit to you know entertain some people and raise some money for charity and so just wanted to shout out that ironically you were here but it was my shout out last week but it deserves two weeks in a row yeah (laughs) there we go i did not know (laughs) i didn't get Um, to the shout outs part last week i was listening when i was changing my kid and then i didn't get back to it so uh my shout out will be to the New York Jets and Robert <laughs> Sala for and Joe Douglas for letting go of the entire offensive staff. Uh, Mike LaFleur gone. Off- offensive line guy gone. Um, you know, they say they're committed to what they have um, in terms of their, their on-field guys. Uh, and I think, again, I don't think Zach's done yet. I think he needs somebody different in there from a coaching perspective. And I think he needs someone in front of him. So uh, for someone who's been so used to losing, it's nice to see when you're winning, they don't accept uh, the atrocious offensive showing the last whatever weeks they played like garbage. So, you know, very rarely do you see sports teams make those kind of moves where they just clean house mm-hmm. and commit even when they know that they're winning because they know that they have something. So um, it's good to see that. Uh, not good to see people losing their jobs, but good to see a team. <laughs> good to see people getting fired. Uh, good to see a team knowing what they have and 
trying to go in the right direction. You know what? You're right, though. Few teams are willing to pull that trigger to that degree. And it just shows that they're invested and they're committed. And like you said, is that they're they're not all lip service. Well, they're not. They're showing that they're not going to wait. And that's what I like. Like they know. So here's to next year. And here is to next week when we return to this show for episode 40. I'm Dustin Perry. He's James. He's Maddie. And we will see you next week on 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted.